I hear the voice of my grandmother calling me. I hear the voice of my grandmother calling. Wake up, wake up, she says, wake up, wake up. Listen, 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 listen. May the rivers all run free. May the mountains be unspoiled. May the air be pure. May the trees grow up tall. May the earth be shared by all. I hear the voice of my grandmother calling me. I hear the voice of my grandmother calling. Wake up, wake up. She says, wake up, wake up. Listen, 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 listen. May the rivers all run free. May the mountains be unspoiled. May the air be pure. May the trees grow up tall. May the earth be shared by all. May the air be pure. May the trees grow up tall. May the earth be shared by all. Hello and welcome to the Womb Centered Healing Podcast. Before we get started with this episode, I'd like to share with you a few announcements about what's going on in the Womb Centered Healing Temple which is an online space for womb-centered healing practitioners to collaborate and share the important work of womb-centered healing with the world. I'm Sama Morningstar, the founder of the Womb-Centered Healing Temple. I'd like to invite you to visit the Womb-Centered Healing Temple website at wombcenteredhealing.com. And there you can sign up to to receive the Womb Centered Healing Temple newsletter, which will send you an email notification every time there's a new podcast episode out. And you'll also receive notifications about blog posts. uh, And you'll also um, be notified when there's new events, courses, and things to, to look forward to. You can explore the website there and see a variety of online courses that are available to support your womb-centered healing journey. So I hope to see you there um, signing up for the newsletter and perhaps for some courses and events. And otherwise, until then, enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to the Womb Centered Healing Podcast. I'm Sama Morningstar and I have Ancha Howard with me here today. Thank you so much for joining us, Ancha. Ancha and I have been uh, collaborating and co-creating um, creativity, uh, awakening our creativity center, therapeutic creativity courses for a little while now. We just completed a, a a co-created course called Activate Your Creative Power, where we combined the therapeutic drawing methods that Ancha is, is so passionate about, and now me too, um, with the writing from the womb practices, the therapeutic writing practices that I'm so passionate about, and now Ancha too. It's really, they really co- go together really well. 
So um, I'm so excited to have you on the show today, Anja, and, and uh, we wanted to come on and talk about um, an introductory course that you're offering about this therapeutic drawing modality that, that is so wonderful um, called Neurographica that you've been sharing and, and teaching and that we've started to, to play with together. So can you introduce yourself a little bit more and, and share about your journey with art and how it's become a, a therapeutic thing um, and you know what, what that's all about? Thank you, Sama. So hello, everyone. My name is Antje Howard. I am living in California now, but I'm originally from Germany, from Berlin. And my story with art uh, was very sad, I have to say, when I was young. <laughs> I, I was always interested in art and I always loved art and I admired artists, but I was taught very early in life that I was not one of them i was not an artist i actually went to a, a high school that was supposed to be focusing on arts but uh, what they focused on instead was to sort out the artists from the non-artists and i was in the later group oh. we had some very <laughs> yeah we had like some very very talented kids in our in our classes of course and what my art teacher did was compare everyone to the best. So there was no getting there. Uh, I had a good friend of mine actually, who uh, was studying college art classes when she was 12. She was like a prodigy artist. And so she was in my class and all my work was always compared to her work, work. So it was never as good, never good enough. And that was one of the um, patterns that I took on early in life when I was a teenager, like when, you know, when it's kind of important to be supported and that was definitely not supporting. So from that, um, my story with art did not stop. <laughs> it was still always my life. I was always created. I created a lot of different things, but I did never call it art um, because I had taken on a belief system that uh, made me believe that I can only be an artist if somebody else allows me to be an artist, if I have the right education, go to the right school, do the right thing. Um, I instead went into education. Um, I have a degree in educational science is called in Germany and uh, cultural anthropology and politics. So I went like in many different directions. And I was always still connected to it. I uh, took a lot of art, uh, art teacher classes in, uh, in college. And uh, I ended up working in art teacher education after college. I actually worked as a lecturer at a university and I was teaching future art teachers, but I would still never, ever, ever say out loud that I'm an artist. It was like, I would bite my tongue before I would ever say that sentence. Um, but you know, everybody that, that I was working with was artists. And uh, I was the only one in the whole faculty that did not have an art degree. So I was feeling very alienated, even though in hindsight, you know, it was a perfectly 
um, like made perfect sense to be a step in my life because that's the steps I had to take. And I was always an artist. I just didn't see it. So, well, um, Anja, I have a question. How, it, within this system that had told you so many times that your artistic creations didn't qualify as art, how did you manage to become a teacher for other art instructors? What qualifications did you end up being able to present when you went to apply for that job? I mean, what, I don't understand how you managed to sneak your way in there. <laughs> yeah, that is really, yeah, it's really funny. Like the professor that I graduated with, he, um, well, uh, his focus was on media and art. And my final project that I did for my master's degree was I uh, went and did a field research in little schools in the middle of nowhere in Peru where they use computers. So he was really fascinated with the work that I did. And he moved from Hamburg University where I was studying to Cologne, which is in the west of Germany, to be an art professor. And he asked me to come. So I was invited. I did not apply for a job. Mm -hmm. It just came into my life. It was literally one of those, okay, I guess I'm gonna do that. So, so um, were you invited? I'm sorry. Were you invited to to teach about that topic, media and art, and using computers to teach art? Is that what you were invited to teach a specific thing? Um, well, I actually ended up teaching visual anthropology because that was one of the things that I focused on in my cultural anthropology uh, studies, where uh, we look at visual representation of culture and the visual research of culture so it's on the one hand everything that culture produces that is visual that we can look at as researchers from this perspective of how does it look and um, analyze it and then on the other hand it is using photography film visual methods in research so that was one of my um one of the things that I just focused on when I was studying and I told him about it and he was totally into that. And he was like, you got to teach that to my students. Mm. And then I was teaching one class that was my favorite class. It was artistic research where we combine research methods and art. So I was kind of sticking with what I was good at and what I feel kind of safe with too, because I focused especially on research methods when I was studying. And also like as part of my um, my final papers and everything, my, my final things. And um, so I was like surrounded by all these artists. And of course I sucked up everything, you know, it was like a good surrounding for me, but in the end um, I found it very difficult to work in that environment, not because of the artists, but because of the big industrial complex kind of system that the university is because at one point I felt that I am in the most creative department that you can be at a college and still I feel like I'm this little wheel that's just turning with a big wheel and I don't have freedom in what I do even though I had the most freedom possible well it's interesting so this is why I quit yeah right and it's interesting what you're describing because here you were teaching 
the art teachers, but you weren't teaching them about creating art. You were teaching them about what art means and how to interpret what art means collectively in the cultural environment and how to do research about that and all this like thinking and analyzing and and appreciating of course but also like probably you know a lot of people's research in that structure is going to be about what's the best art and what's not so good art because there's going to be people who who really emphasize that aspect of it right that's what what you encountered from the get-go but then there's going to be all this you know qualitative research what does it mean what does it mean for society what does it mean for people so you were kind of uh, on the on the edges of some of the more possibly on the edges of some of the more therapeutic aspects of art like how does it benefit our our societies and our communities uh, was in, and, and that the research may have been somewhat sometimes about that, right? Like how, how does art benefit a community having a, a mural, for example, or what kind of images are beneficial? What effects do they have on people collectively? Were there any of the research projects that you encountered, you know, in that realm of things like the psychological effects, the the social the social effects of the art yeah definitely that was like to me one of the most interesting things as well so my uh questions were very much around what is art and what does it do to people mm -hmm. like why do we react to this and like i mean uh, it was interesting because the way we taught it was very um active in a way activating the students so we always had the students create their own projects so we had the students were just amazing they came up with such interesting projects and for me personally um, one of the things that was really important for me in my own teaching was that anything i teach to someone needs to be um, it needs to connect to the person so I had the students choose their own topics. I would never say you research this because this is what I hated at university. I was like, I don't, you know, I, I want to do my own, like follow my own interests. So I try to support that in students. And I think that is like, what was really nice, what was really like um, interesting in my work but of course it's not just teaching that i did i did a whole lot of other things and teaching was a tiny little part of it and in the end i kind of felt that um yeah i, I was just depressed i didn't know like what i'm doing and why i'm doing this and i i was really like going through like a hard time in these years that i worked there because um like it looked very shiny from the outside and my professor was trying to push me to do a PhD and, you know, like really go on with it and become a professor myself. And I looked at him and I was like, I would not want your job. Mm. You know, I was like, and the deeper I got into it, the more I realized that this is not my path. Mm. And then at one point, actually during this, um, during this uh, episode in my life, I started creating more art but really in a way that I felt I had to do something 
because everything was so much in the head, so much in the mind. I had to do something with my hands. I started drawing and painting and I would never show it to anyone and I would not call it art. And, you know, I, I was doing that behind closed doors, mm. <laughs> locking my door, locking okay. me inside the dark room and just creating. And there, that was like kind of the first time when I realized that art for me personally does have a very therapeutic effect. And I think that's when I got more and more interested in the therapeutic, um, like art therapy as a, as its own uh, way, its own path. And so when I quit my job, I just went traveling. <laughs> and um, I was really kind of like, okay, I need to reorient myself and change something in my life. I'm not sure what I'm actually doing here. So I went traveling and I went to California because I had a bunch of friends here and I've been here before and I really liked it. And I thought, okay. Uh, my big plan was to go down to South America again, and I never made it because I met a man that I'm married to right now. <laughs> with. So I got stuck here. I don't and know if got stuck is the right <laughs> word for that. You met a man, you got married, you live in a beautiful area in California. I don't know if I'd call that stuck. I'd call that maybe blessed. Yeah, that's definitely true I definitely felt that there was something here for me that um, was completely new it was a big step because as I said I went from like you know having a real job and having a complete life and everything to living in the forest literally uh, I went from the city to the most rural place I could ever imagine and it was so healing for me to just be away from people only in nature um really isolated too like the first uh place where we lived for the first two years there was no phone service there was nothing no phone no internet no nothing and i think i needed that to kind of detox from society and detox from these years of sitting in front of the computer with the internet on all the time with the phone all the time so that um actually brought me deeper into making art and I started journaling I started drawing more I made a lot of jewelry I learned macrame when when I was in Peru and I really got into that and made it just created just I kept creating kept creating and I didn't know where it was going to go yet it didn't really have this kind of feeling of a goal it was just I had to create to create and to kind of process things out so i would always like look at my drawings later and see where i was at that moment and um then a few years skip forward um in 2019 that was i was here for four years now i'm here for six years um i found neurographica so this is when this entire art journey kind of went to a place where I found something. And uh, literally in the beginning, I just saw a picture um, on Facebook and everything was in Russian because the founder of the method is Russian. So the only word that I could read that was not in Kyrillic writing was this word neurographica. So I started researching like crazy, trying to find out what this is. And I eventually found a teacher who was teaching the method in English. And uh, 
she did this introductory course. And I remember the very first drawing I did with her was this great revelation for me. I saw why, like literally I saw why I could not allow myself to be an artist and it changed my life. And that was the very first drawing. So it was so impactful for me from the very beginning that I realized, okay, this is something that I need in my life and that I want to focus on more. And luckily there was a, is actually a school in Switzerland where they teach the method in German. German was the first language that Neurographica was taught in uh, after Russian. So I got so lucky to be able to speak German and uh, take these classes there. So I took the first uh, professional class there, became a Neurographica specialist, and then I decided right away to do a year-long teacher training that I just finished in the beginning of this year. And that was very intense. So the entire last year, I was drawing almost every day. I went through so many different art processes and learned so much and really found a way for me to use it as a as a healing method. Um, Pavel Piskarev, the founder of the method, he um, promotes it more as a coaching practice. So he says it can be therapeutic, but it's not an art therapy. But I think, you know, you can look at it from different ways. You can definitely, I think like if somebody is the art therapist, they can use it in the art therapy 100%. It's definitely going to work. And then, um, yeah, this is how I got to it. And now I'm deep in it. And now I'm starting to teach this exact first introductory course that I took uh, a year ago or a little bit over a year ago that really changed my life. And I really hope that I can change someone's life with it. Um, right. Well, it sounds to me like what was so healing for you about it was to, um, it sounds like you encountered the thing, the belief systems that were telling you that you didn't get to be an artist because art to qualify as an artist, you needed to have certain innate uh, abilities or something like that. And that there, you know, and so I'm curious, could you share a little bit more about that? What did you discover about art versus not art? What did you discover that had been holding you back with your creativity that was so impactful for you in that first class? Um, well, I can say right away that um, one of the, like Pavel Piskarev, he made like this list of 10 principles. And one of the principles is everybody is an artist. So his idea of art what? is completely different. No, for him, everybody's an artist and art is about creating and creating your own life. So art is basically just another creative process that every human being has access to. And I think that was like for me, oh, okay, you know, that was like this idea that I just never, I mean, I know it's around, you know, and, um, but I've never experienced it firsthand in creating something myself 
where I've realized, oh yes, I am an artist. And the with the first drawing that I made, so this process that uh, we learn and that I'm going to teach, um, it is an algorithm where you go through seven steps in every single drawing and it's very structured. You go from step one to step two to step three until seven. And in a way, um, it creates this container that is very strong. No, it's a very masculine container, you can say, really, you know, it's like a very structured thing that always tells you what to do next. So you're never in a neurographic drawing, you're never not going to know what to do now. You're never going to be stuck. You always have the next step to go to. And that makes it very free because inside of this container, you can really let your, let your inner artist express, let your inner child express. You can go to places inside of you because I feel like this container is very safe because it gives you that structure, because it gives you that kind of, you know, you just, you're going to know what to do next. It's not like I'm starting this drawing and then at one point I'm kind of like at this process and I don't know what to do with it now or something like this. No, there's always the next step to go to. And they are, the way he created it, because he's a psychologist, is from his understanding of our psyche. So you basically go from, you start with your conscious mind and you set an intention for the drawing. That's step number one. You always have a topic of the drawing. You don't just draw, you draw something. And when I give workshops, for example, I, I put out the topic. No, I tell people today we're drawing that. But when you learn the method yourself, you choose your own topic. You think of, okay, what question do I have? What problem do I have? What fear do I have? What negative thought do I have? What, I don't know, pattern do I want to change in my life? So you, it needs to be a conscious process before you step into the drawing. And then you start with that. And then from there, it's a very fluid, very intuitive process that takes you layer by layer deeper into your subconscious. So um, you were talking about, you were sharing about this, the structure of this approach to, to the drawing as a very masculine structure. And now I'm going to get all womb priestess on, on this conversation, if you don't mind, because we often talk about structure being the masculine quality of things um, and the containment of that structure, allowing the feminine flow to happen within it, the feminine creativity that can have all this freedom as long as it has that containing structure. Now, when I think about biology, the biology of the womb, and the biology of our sexual organs, the biology that has more of that containing structure quality is the feminine biology of the womb is a containing structure of quality. You know, it has a very containing um, structure to it that's very strong and that can nourish that 
that creativity inside and then and that the the masculine biology wants to enter into that space of freedom within it so we could have a long philosophical conversation about whether the structure is masculine or not but it, it is typically um generally talked about in that way that that kind of strong structures that that contain things uh tend to be thought of as masculine but i just wanted to pull that womb imagery into there too it's also a very feminine thing to contain a creative process in a very strong way which uh can allow which allows it to grow and and move and um receive nourishment and have all kinds of wonderful things happen in there um whilst being safe and contained it's also a very feminine thing so um i'd love for you to share so you're you're getting ready to um teach this introductory workshop um with of course i'm sure it's going to have your own spin on it are you are you really delivering the exact process or are you bringing your own your own take on it well because it is a certified course um i kind of have to stick to what um well, uh, all the certified courses have to basically teach the same curriculum. So I have a structure that I have to stick with. Um, of course, the way I teach is experiential. So I, um, I mean, uh, all the parts, they have theory in them. So I'm going to pass on the theory, of course, and explain it. But the drawing process itself is still going to be an experiential uh, process that I'm guiding in the way that I'm guiding it, uh, which is different from other teachers. I know that, um, but I, I just feel comfortable with it. Um, I like to teach the actual drawing processes as a very meditative kind of um process where you can really go inside and really experience it so i'm not just going to explain it but we're also actually going to go into that process and um of course yeah there's a theoretical part in it i'm of course you know going to explain it in the way that i understand it which um comes with my background you know, I have this background in education and I've studied some psychology, so um, I have my own way of understanding it and I'm going to um, teach it in the way that I understand it. Um, but of course, there's a few aspects in it that need to be uh, transferred mm -hmm. in order for it to work as the certified course and the certified certification. What that means is that you get certified um, with like a certified certificate of completion. So the certificate does not allow you to teach it or pass it on or anything like that, but it will allow you to take further professional courses. Mm -hmm. So it's a step towards becoming a certified neurographica instructor but it's not the complete course. It's just the beginning of that certification. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. 
And I mean, the, the instructor course literally takes a year. It's uh -huh. like a very long process. Um, but there's another course that's called the specialist. And with the specialist, that one is interesting for people that I think that already work with art, for example, that or are already in some kind of therapeutic um, context or are coaches or something like this. And that is basically they can use the method in their own work. So okay. if you're already um, leading workshops, for example, you would be able to use Neurographica in your workshops. Gotcha. Um, so there's, I mean, because I think Pavel, he went through a long process of having it all, it's all registered, it's copyrighted, it's all like in a box. So, and I think he's very proud of it and uh, very protective of it because people have been trying to steal it, which I mean, you know, if you patent a certain line that you draw, it's kind of tricky, you know, to patent it, of course. Um, but I really appreciate his work. So I'm passing it on as what I got it. And um, of course, there's going to be my own spin on it. Um, part of the course might be taught by another teacher um, who is also certified to teach the uh, next step courses. So if anybody's interested in taking uh, more professional courses, it, it's definitely interesting to look at and look at uh, how she's teaching and if you resonate with that, because I always feel that you need to find a teacher that you resonate with, especially with a method like that, mm -hmm. because it's so, um, yeah, it's about creativity. So if you have a teacher that you don't resonate with, it's not gonna work. Yeah, and so I'm just, to bring this, uh, this whole discussion around to womb-centered healing, um, because listeners, of course, who've been listening to this podcast for a while, heard us talk, not, not you and I, but others, and perhaps you and I, I think, have you been on the podcast before? I think you were. Um, we've talked a lot about the womb being the center of our creativity. And we've talked a lot about how that creativity gets suppressed, thwarted, you know, um, invalidated. And you've spoken about that too. Um, and perhaps it's a topic for another podcast to go into in depth. But I'm imagining that there's been a parallel journey of your womb wellness, your sense of your um, you know, I feel like the, the womb is the place where our soul purpose can be, is, is um, brought from inspiration into physical form. And that's, that's the exact definition of what artistic creation is, is taking our inspiration inside, you know, feeling our inspiration inside of ourselves and translating that into some type of physical form, whether it's how we're living our lives, whether it's a, a work of art that we're creating, whether it's some other creative project. And, and our womb has so much to offer us um, in the biomystical way about that creative process. And I'm curious to hear if there's any like, any like highlights of insights that you've um, started to become aware of in your exploration with womb-centered healing 
around this process that has perhaps started to influence how you're um, working with the neurographica process. It's good that you bring a discussion on that because for me, um, being centered in the womb has very much to do with being centered in the body. So the way that we ignore the womb is also the way that we kind of ignore our own body. And that is one of the things that I think uh, was very um, appealing to me when I first encountered Neurographica is that we focus while we are drawing, we focus on our body, we focus on our emotions and our thoughts. We bring those two parts, to, uh, three parts together. So when I draw, for example, I always check in with myself and I feel, how do I feel? How does my body feel? And that, you know, for me translates to, I ask my womb, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about me drawing this in blue? You know, what does this color do to you? What does this shape do to you? What does this do to you? And um, I think that, yeah, for me, that is really one of the, ways that the drawing method can help us to um, get through all these layers. You know, when I talk about psychology, it's not just something that's in the mind. Psychology, and that's like really something that I appreciate about Fiskarev as well a lot, is like psychology goes way beyond our own mind. It goes into collective uh, patterns. It goes into the body. And so he talks about the psychology of the body in a way. He doesn't call it that. But, you know, this is what I read into it, that this is the way I understand it. And this is the way that um, I definitely teach it. So um, in throughout the drawing process, we go layer by layer deeper into our being and seeing the being as from, okay, we start with a thought. Or we can also start with a feeling. We can even start with a body sensation. We can, you know, ask in a drawing, why do I have this pain in my wrist? I can make a drawing about that. So it can literally be anything. But then we go from this kind of setting out the intention, putting out the idea, writing the word, to going deeper and deeper into it and looking at, okay, what emotions are connected to this? What emotions come up when I draw this? and what body sensations come up. And there, I really often feel that I feel something inside my belly. You know, there is something there that communicates with me. So it actually helps me to receive more messages. And then I have the ability through the drawing to translate the message that comes through my body into form, into shape, into color, and into something that I can look at afterwards. So it's a little bit like the writing process, you know, you go from this feeling that you have inside of you, you go into this space that's very physical and very like, yeah, I don't know, this warm, dark space, you know, that's very mystical really. And you bring something up and translate it into a different form, translate it into words. So where you translate it into words, I translate it into a drawing. Beautiful. Ah. Well, it just, as you were describing that whole process, um, 
you know, a lot of that process happens in what I would call the, what many would call the subconscious mind or, but, but there's, um, we could have a whole other podcast about this. Um, when you talk about the mind, not just, you know, the mind also being in the body, um, what I want to bring to our awareness that listeners may have heard me share about before is that we actually have more brain matter in our belly than we have in our head. And we look at this drawing behind you for those who are watching a video of this call and we look at the drawing behind Anja's head and, and it looks like images that you might have see of the nervous system. And the nervous system, if you've seen maps of the nervous system goes throughout the entire body. And all of the nerves are part of the brain and they are, are they make up our ability to sense and feel and know and understand and all of these um, abilities that we associate with the mind are actually happening mostly in our whole body, not really mostly in our head. In fact, um, you know that we you can you can look at other animals as as a for information about this and like the octopus for example has most of its brain most of its mind is in its tentacles right it's not in its head and and we're kind of similar to that although we do have this big brain we tend to get focused in the big brain but you know what the type of brain uh, the type of brain function that we're taught is most important the analytical thinking brain the logical thinking brain only happens in about 5% in of our brain matter. And that's what we're, we're taught that is the most important thing to learn how to use. And that the rest of the brain matter, which has more of a dream state kind of abilities and our spatial body awareness abilities and our sensory input and understanding of our senses and all of that makes up the whole rest of the brain but we're taught to disregard that. We're taught to ignore how we feel. We're taught to ignore our emotions. None of that's important. We're taught to ignore our dreams, our intuition, our extra sensory abilities. And so um, that type of education is really diminishing our, our ability to connect with our full capacity. And so it seems to me like these kinds of practices where we're, um, learning to connect with and express this other way of knowing and seeing and feeling and thinking even this that's focused on creativity and self-expression um, that's that's free of the judgmental hierarchical approach to art that was so um, harmful to many of us like you've described at the beginning of your story today and coming into a a way of, of being that allows gives everyone permission to fully express their their artistic purpose and their artistic inspiration and and to receive the the healing benefits of just that permission um it's so beautiful i'm so grateful for you for coming on here and for working together with me to to further these these intentions and so if um Folks want to get in touch with you about this upcoming workshop, this Neurographica training. Um, they can go to your website. Can, or can you tell us how they can get in touch with you? 
Ah, uh, yeah, they can definitely go to my website. They can basically contact me anywhere. And they can contact me over my Facebook page, over my website, over my Instagram. It's all NeuroArt Project. NeuroArtProject.net is my website. And then I'm on Facebook and on Instagram as NeuroArt Project. I also have a YouTube channel where I have some free videos. I hopefully get more. And um, I wanted to uh, say one more comment about what you just said, because it's in a way describing exactly Pavel's theory of how we work. So when he brings together the body, the emotions and the mind, he actually puts them on top of each other. And he says, what we first experience as human beings is always the body. So there's always a sensation, there's the five senses, and this is our first, so to say, the first border between us and the outside world is always the body. And then we learn over time, we have experiences that our body experiences, and from those come emotions. So we have no comfortable experiences and uncomfortable experiences. And this is what creates our emotions, what makes our mind is the body and the emotions together and that is patterns that arise out of these experiences that we experience through our body through our emotions so the mind then and you know has all these thoughts but when we look back at it we need to look through the other layers we need to get from the mind down to the emotions and down to the body again to actually understand and to see, for example, where does this come from? Why do I have this pattern? Why do I have this thought? Why do I think that I'm not an artist? When I did the drawing to that, I realized I literally remembered the moment when my art teacher told me that I was not an artist. You know, when like the situations and I could, I was in the situation again with my body, with my emotions, and I, I could understand where it came from and then I could say okay you know that's his story that's not actually my story mm. I can be an artist no matter what somebody else says mm. so with the method it, it allows us to kind of shed these layers and go into the deeper understanding of who we are as human beings and how we experience our life and how we then, and it kind of empowers us to, you know, to, to say, okay, you know, my mind and what I think and all these patterns that I have and thoughts that I can't stop, they are not me. So there's layers below that, that I can look at and that I can kind of open up. So in that way, for me, it's, it's such a healing experience and such a healing method. And so, yeah, um, right now, the next course will start on April 9th. It's going to be four Fridays, two and a half hours each, so 10 hours total. It is a very comprehensive, big thing. And in order to get a certificate, you will have to submit drawings as well, and they will be discussed so that there's a kind of feedback uh, included in it. So that that's, of course, to make sure that you actually understand what we're doing. And you have to uh, also write something about your process because during the process, we always focus on these layers. So during the drawing, I want to know how your body feels and I want to know what comes up for you emotionally. 
not in great detail, you know, it doesn't have to, you don't have to strip yourself naked, but just so that I know that you understand what it's about and that you um, access these other layers because that's what it's all about. And yeah, so we have a sale going on actually at the moment um, for the course as well. So you can find all the information about that on my website. It's all there. And um, I'm hoping and looking forward to anybody who wants to participate. And if you have questions, you can always contact me in any way. All right, and we'll put the links to find out more about that course in the show notes when we publish this um, on the various platforms. So check that out. So thanks again for coming and sharing with us about this, Anjay. And um, uh, listeners know that if you also, if you want to learn more about what's happening at the Womb Center Healing Temple, which we're going to be, stay tuned because we're going to do another podcast episode talking about the next collaborative course that Anja and I are creating as we speak that's going to be starting very soon so if you want to get notifications about that um, and other womb-centered healing temple offerings um, future podcasts blog episodes uh, blog articles podcast episodes um, go ahead and go to wombcenteredhealing.com and sign up for the newsletter there so that you can get all these notifications and and announcements and updates All right. Thanks so much for joining us. That's all for now. Until next time.